Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Boogity, boogity, boogity. Welcome back to the Drivers Meeting Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, we had the race day stage for Fox. We were racing on dirt. The trucks and the Cup Series were all out there. A wild finish. A lot of things to talk about uh, from the dirt on Bristol. Kyle Busch was ultimately the winner, but there was a lot of stuff that led up to that. He led one lap, and it was the last one. So we'll talk all about Bristol dirt. We'll preview Talladega, and we'll talk about much more, including the broadcast next on Pod. give a shout out to our great partners at bet online they continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info find out all the latest sports developments including updated odds on the nba playoffs fights and even next season's futures don't forget the mlb is back as well who are you picking to win the world series but online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs including live betting in your favorite vegas casino and poker games Super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up and receive your promo code, B-L-E-A-V, that's B-L-E-A-V, believe, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. But online, it's where the game starts. So who would have bet we would have had the finish that we did uh, Sunday night, last night, at Bristol Motor Speedway? Uh, The Truck Series race was semi-eventful, but we knew the big show was going to be the cup race on Fox on primetime Sunday, Easter Sunday. Um, Wow. I mean, we we started off the race day stage was back. I think the broadcast started off great. We had some great visions for what the race was going to be. A lot of people were, you know, optimistic and a lot of people were doubtful about the race, but I felt like it was a pretty solid race. Um, you know, there was rain involved, unfortunately, that really dragged on the race. I think it ended up being like three, four hours long total length, obviously with rain delays and stuff like that. But damn, crazy finish, uh, crazy racing kind of towards the middle of the race. Not too many huge crashes. Um, you know, like we tore up so many cars last year. I mean, there were just big parking lot pileups uh, that we saw in 2021. So this year there was a little bit less of that, which was nice, but Overall, the racing product, I think, I think was pretty solid. We got uh, my boy, Matt, who is now the newest member of tobychristie.com uh, here with us, joining us once again on the podcast for the post-race pod. First of all, uh, how are you and how'd you, uh, how'd you feel about Bristol Dirt? Hey, thanks for having me again on here. Yeah, it was a really good race in my opinion. And I know that there's a lot of controversial things surrounding also that stage the, when the first red flag came out. There was a lot of like people pissed because um, how the whole like freezing of the cautions happened and how Chase Briscoe was a leader when he really wasn't the leader. Maybe we'll get back into that a little bit later. But yeah, for me, you mentioned about the rain. That was kind of the only downside of the race. I mean, every race with rain is that's the downside of the race. 
So when the rain came along, I think NASCAR did a fantastic job of like operating that thing. You know, they gate, they, they waited, they had enough time. They gave enough time for the rain to go away. They didn't just quit after it. And when that it rained the second time when Tyler Reddick was leading with about what was like 25 laps to go, something like that. I thought they were going to wrap up the race right there because they already tried earlier. I didn't think they were going to try again. Maybe they would look at the radar, see it would be maybe like a 30 minute, 40 minute holdout. It was already getting later into the night. Well, hey, they waited and they they drove uh, they dried the track a little bit. They packed it down and they got it back going again. And that was great. So NASCAR did a great job on what cards were dealt to them. And then the racing uh, product was fantastic. I think there was a lot of slide jobs. Uh, drivers seemed more comfortable this year when they were racing. And I think that's a big thing because we saw like the truck guys over the years at Eldora. I feel like guys had to get acclimated to that young guys, veterans, they had to get acclimated to the cars on dirt. And now with this next gen car that kind of broke up that consistency with the gen six car, it was going to race different on dirt compared to the next gen car. So now with this next gen car over the next couple of years, if we continue to run dirt on whatever track, we can build data make it a better show. But I think this was a perfect start for the next gen car because I was thoroughly enjoyed watching the race. There was races, there was racing for the, pa- uh, for the, for the lead. There was racing in mid pack. Unfortunately, Fox didn't cover throughout the whole field. I saw a lot of action go on towards the back half of the field and we didn't really see it or we didn't see replays on it consistently, but maybe we'll get back into that a little bit later. But yeah, I think it was, um, I think it was a great race all throughout. And obviously people are just upset because the rain, kind of knocked it down a little bit but a great race with a thrilling finish not the finish maybe we all wanted but it was a uh i think um a deserving winner depending on how you look at it um and also the finish was exciting it was was very short track-esque yeah very short track-esque i think the track just in my opinion the first thing that i really was looking forward to this weekend is how the track was prepared because last year i it was not very good at all you know, we know that the track prep last year and, and their first year of attempting to prep the track, they didn't really know kind of what they were doing, um, you know, and it kind of ended up just being a bottom fest. You know, the track wasn't being treated in the middle of the race either. It was kind of just a bottom fest race. But this year, I mean, we saw them racing all over, which I think is exactly what we needed for a dirt race. Um, you need the guys to be able to rip the top, rip the middle, rip the bottom, whatever lane they want. We saw multi-groove racing. We saw three and four wide, you know, racing in the back that, you know, some, most of the time didn't end up in a big pileup um, and the racing for the lead on the restarts, you know, the inside, it was always, you know, very hard to get going, but we saw racing on the restarts, lots of battling, lots of guys being able to stick it down to the bottom. There were times in the race where the bottom was the dominant groove and it shift up to the top. I think that was cool to kind of follow, you know, throughout the race. Um, there were some slide jobs that could work. It seemed like it was pretty hard to pull off a slide job. And one of them was for the race win. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that one didn't well, quite it work didn't out. didn't stop drivers from trying. That's a no, nice one thing. I no. saw Tyler Reddick definitely sending in some sliders and Chase Briscoe tried, but obviously what happened there wasn't great. Yeah. You're not going to, you're not going to stop a racer from attempting a slide job. And, you know, a lot of people had a different, uh, a lot of different opinions on what Chase Briscoe should have done. I, I like, I was sitting there predicting exactly what was going to, what was going to happen. I mean, the only way Chase Briscoe is going to get by Reddick is to send it in there. You know, Reddick's running the top Briscoe's running the top. And he, I mean, he was driving the heck out of that thing. I kept, you know, sitting there. I'm like, I'm just hoping for a good finish. And every time Briscoe is washing up in three and four, he was doing the same thing. It felt like every lap, catch him in one and two, wash up in three and four. And he finally started to back up his three and four entry. 
And then just in time, he gets to Reddick's bumper and he dives it in there. And you could tell, obviously, Reddick knew as a racer he was going to make that move, kind of moved a little bit lower towards the middle. But you could tell Briscoe, I mean, he was already he was already spinning out. And he said that uh, post race. He knew he was spinning out. He just didn't want to take Reddick with him. He did hit him in the corner pan. I mean, it looked like both of them might have had a chance to save it. They both end up spinning out, but um, in an unbelievable finish, um, you know, Auto Club 2014-esque, I believe, uh, yeah. Kyle Busch comes out of turn four and wins the race at the stripe. So, I mean, you know, first the move by Chase Briscoe, you know, a lot of people are upset that Tyler Reddick wasn't more upset about it or upset at what Chase Briscoe did. I mean, I think it's just racing, racing on dirt, the product of what we had, in my opinion, that was kind of, you know, I didn't really mind it. I thought it was an awesome finish. What about you? Yeah, I think it was a great finish. I mean, obviously Chase Briscoe wanted it to be better for him and obviously he didn't want to take Reddick out. He said that to him post race when Fox was able to get a microphone in both of their faces. And we kind of heard like a driver, uh post-race debrief you know what happened on the track for the first time by tv cameras and microphones very clearly we we were able to understand what they were saying so that was pretty cool um but yeah chase just kind of i kind of resembled to like uh, a last minute move that a quarterback makes and it's just a complete like horrible throw and they get a interception uh i mean an interception happens from it from the other side of the field and and chase kind of did that last minute move and he just had horrible direction on it, went underneath the apron. And I was talking about it with some people that I watched the race with. And when he um, when he hit the apron, that kind of just caused him to go up. And it was really only Chase's last move. Like if that was his only decision to make, because he knew that Tyler was always going to guard that top side. He could have faked him, but obviously that might that might have resulted in like a bumper collision. And then you had. Uh, Chase going to the inside, no matter what, he'd have to kind of shove Reddick out of the way to get the win because the top would always prevail, as we know, all night. At least that's the way I kind of look at it. So Chase knew what he had to do there, and he was desperate for it. So that's why he hit the apron. And, yeah, and people complaining about Reddick not being more mad, that's just Reddick. That's that's Reddick's personality. If he doesn't want to be more mad, that that's on him. Obviously, when you look at the, the team, uh, his crew members in the background, there's a screenshot on Twitter, all of you know, even Dale Jr., I think, talked about it, too. You yeah, know, they weren't feeling it. They were not feeling it. They were not feeling it at all. They were like, Reddit, come on. We, you know, Tyler, we need to we need to do something here. We need to, you know, tell him off to show him that what he did was wrong. So, um, you know, I don't know if they're buddies. I want to say they are because they were racing in Xfinity for a little while. So one thing I did not like at all that I'll like be very uh, persistent with and believe this wholeheartedly is that chase briscoe walking up to tyler and smiling like i was almost if it was a joke that what makes me believe that they're friends like they're actually close friends i'm not sure if they are i know like a chase and austin Cindric are and tyler's friends with like kaz grawler or something like that so like they're all close friends um but but i don't know if they are specifically um tyler and chase so if um, if Chase felt comfortable, like going up, kind of making, you know, laughing about it and making it feel like, you know, kind of embarrassed too, you know, he was a little embarrassed and making it seem like, you know, kind of a joke. That's not something I would want to see. That would make me a little peeved off, but maybe Tyler is just a different kind of guy. I know we've seen him in a fight before with Cole Custer, but this is again is for a cup win. So, you know, yeah. I don't know, but, but the team, the team definitely wasn't as happy as Tyler was <laughs> or yeah. I, I fine with it. I think we've seen Tyler Reddick kind of season himself as one of those guys, um, you know, that 
that understands, you know, because the first thing he said is he blamed it on himself. He blamed it on himself for letting Chase Briscoe, right. you know, get exactly. that close. I think if it was a, a deliberate, um, a deliberate takeout by Chase Briscoe, I think he'd think differently. But, um, yeah. you know, Tyler Reddick's one of those guys who's going to sit there. He's going to, you know, realize that. All right. You know, I know Chase Briscoe. I know his intentions weren't just to absolutely wipe me out. Um, and there's a few drivers that are kind of like that. A lot of people were questioning that. The thing I can take that back to is Kyle Larson when he, when him and Kyle Bush had their finish at Chicagoland and yeah, Kyle Bush got into him. Though. Huh? Yeah. A little different there though. Sorry to yeah. interrupt, but I mean, I, I just look at, I was thinking about that too last night, but I was like, well, Larson did hit Kyle Bush first at yeah. Chicago land. Yeah. 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 I was more, so I was thinking of, you know, kind of post-race a lot of people were expecting like, yeah. Oh, Kyle Bush, you know, no, you know, disregarding what Larson had done in one and two, they're set on the fact that Kyle Bush, you know, hit him in three and four and we're expecting Larson to do something. And they just talked it out and Victor Lane shook hands, said good race. Um, and it was very civil, just like, you know, kind of just like the interaction that we saw last night between Reddick and Briscoe. They just, I mean, they shook hands. They said, good race, you know, my bad. Briscoe said my bad. And yes. you know, Reddick blamed himself for letting him catch up. And everyone's sitting there like everyone around him was probably expecting a fight too. And, you know, right. let's be honest, Tyler Reddick, I don't think is, you know, it's going to, he's going to have to pick on the right guy to win a fight. You know, no, no offense, Tyler. Yeah, maybe Reddick. Kyle Larson, maybe Larson. Chase so, Briscoe's a little tall. Yeah. Or something. So maybe yeah. he wouldn't have won that fight. I don't know, but you know, we, yeah. we've seen that out of, out of some young drivers. Some young drivers are, you know, beating people up right away after the race, which we saw the week before. And we'll talk yep. about that in a, in a little bit. There's two different spectrums to what's going on here. As far as uh, rivalries, there was a rivalry. Um, there was a rivalry that ended up in, in some paint traded um, Cody Ware and Chase Elliott were oh, right. fighting it out on the, on the dirt. Cause I guess there was there every like a concrete concrete replay of what happened when Cody Ware spun and they all piled up. Did he get drove through by chase? So I'm not, I'm, unfortunately, I think you're more educated on this than me because during that time I went to go take a shower in the middle of the race because uh, <laughs> I was in the pool earlier in the day. So I took a break from the race there. Then when I well, came back, when I got out of the shower, that's when I saw those things going on. Yeah. So from what I got is Chase Elliott, basically, I guess, drove through Cody Ware, um, okay. you know, which some people just do for the fun of it. They sure. just drive through a Rick Ware car because, you know, and the Rick Ware cars were running very well last night. J.J. Yaley, you know, as expected, was running up top 20, top 15 at times. Uh, he's a great dirt racer. And Cody Ware was even breaking the top uh, 25 for parts of the race. I think at that point he was near the top 20 or in the top 20. And I think got ran over by Chase Elliott. Wasn't very happy about it. So under caution, he came back and tried to wreck Chase Elliott several times. He hit him in the corner panel. I thought he was I did done. See that. And then yeah, he went so. back and tried to wreck him again. Um, right. So Chase Elliott was wondering who was trying to cut his right rear or left and left rear. Um, and they, you know, said it was Cody Ware. So I think, you know, that happened early enough in the race to where that settled down towards the end. Don't think anything happened afterwards or during the race either. They didn't, they weren't really near each other after that, yeah. but Cody Ware, I believe was taking at that point, he was taking the lucky dog. Um, so he was having to drive around the field anyway. So he just decided to take a brief pit stop and try to wreck Chase Elliott under caution. So that yeah. was uh, an interesting feud that might or might not be forgotten. Um, Chase Elliott versus Cody Ware. Um, but, you know, we've I bet seen... Chase Elliott already forgot about it. <laughs> I'm sure Chase Elliott forgot about it last night. I'm sure he's already over it. And honestly, yeah. Cody Ware. Cody Ware might be, too. I don't know. But uh, we're going into Talladega. We're not much really can 
happen as far as a one-on-one fight unless no you way, really want to wreck the field. They uh, could be right next to each other on the lead lap again, so we'll wait and see. They could be. I, I hope you wouldn't, you know, take your anger out at Talladega. No, no, I'm just saying maybe he doesn't give him a push or whatever, maybe just a little bit of an issue Or just there, flips but... him off in the middle of the yeah. day. Yeah. <laughs> that too. That too. Yeah, voices so, his displeasure, but um, yeah, yeah no, I mean, not really a particular for Chase or anything like that, so yeah. nothing either the drivers have to worry about. Probably a heat in the moment kind of thing. For sure. Yeah. But overall, in, interesting race last night, for sure. You know, like you said, the rain, you know, is always going to be the worst part of any race. You know, we don't we don't want the rain to hit. But I'm going to be honest. I mean, I was surprised that they kept going. Honestly, when it started raining, they pulled them down pit road. You know, the race is official. Daniel Suarez is in lead. I thought they were going to call it right there. Like, I thought they were just going to give it up. I felt like I'd seen this scenario play out so many times where NASCAR was just going to, you know, this rains too hard. We're going to call it. And then I thought they were going to call it when they brought the cars in and Reddick was in the lead. I was like, oh, so this is yeah. when they call it. There's like 20 laps left. They're just going to call the race. Right. And they didn't. So like big applause to NASCAR, all the, all the people out there, you know, packing the track with, with the Packer cars, um, you know, everybody making sure the show keeps going, even on Fox where they could have been like, oh, times, you know, we're going to run over stuff. Let's cancel it or move it to FS1 or whatever. Kept it on Fox, even gave us a post-race show after still. So like, you know, shout out to NASCAR, everybody, you know, there for at least getting the race in, like no matter what the racing product was, they gave us the race. They gave us the full distance, the full 250 laps, I believe is what it was. So, you know, shout out to them. And because of them keeping going, we got to finish. We're going to remember for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Just a closing note on that. Even after the first red flag, I was pretty upset because I was like, dang, I hope they don't finish up the race because that was good racing. I wanted to see more. Yeah. The race seemed like it was just getting going. You know what I mean? It was like it was just starting and I would have been really upset to have like the race end early and kind of feel unfinished in a way, kind of feel incomplete. Yeah, exactly. There's only been a few times where it's been a red flag and I'm like, you know what? Just cancel the race. One of them being uh, the Coda race last year when they red flagged it. I was like, oh, you know what? Yeah. Just just end it. <laughs> this <Yeah>. needs <laughs> to be ended. This, and then they, they did chase Elliott got the win, but that was like the only time I had kind of felt that way. So, you know uh, but yeah, overall, I mean, fun race. I felt like a lot of people had fun watching it or enjoyed it, whether you were really taking it seriously or not. You know, I try to be as optimistic as I can about every new thing we're doing. And I was optimistic kind of about this weekend, uh, not as like excited as I was last year. I felt like I was more excited last year and was disappointed. And this year I was a little less excited, kind of just chilling out kind of in the middle. And I was blown away. I think it was a, it was a very great race uh, to watch. And we saw a lot of different people up towards the front. will kind of run down through the field here. Uh, we know Kyle yeah, Busch. A lot of comers and goers, goers to be fair. Yeah, a lot of comers and goers, goers for goers. sure. Kyle yeah, Busch yeah. obviously got the win. Tyler Reddick had another great race, just lost it in the final corner, finished second. But Ty Dillon, who actually, Ty Dillon, he qualified towards the front, ran up towards the front, kind of had a few issues, moved back towards the field, back towards the front. He gets a top 10, and he also had uh, the most quality passes, I believe, of anyone in the field, um, courtesy of of. Joe Srigley, tobychristie.com stats here. I'll pull it up real quick just because I didn't have it handy. Yeah, quality passes. He had 58 quality passes, um, more than anybody in the field. Ryan Blaney was right behind him with 57. So a great showing by Ty Dillon, who I think was much needed. They've kind of been struggling for speed with, uh, you know, with recent weeks where Eric Jones has been really fast in the 43. The 42 team has seemed to struggle. 
um, you know, a great week for him. Someone that really needed a great race and had one. I, th- I think they probably wanted the better finish was Brad Kozlowski in the six. I mean, he was battling in the top five for a great chunk of the race, which is very surprising. I thought new track, you know, on the dirt is Brad K really going to, is Brad K really going to be that strong in the six and probably the strongest showing of the year came on Bristol dirt, which I would not have expected. I would have expected that at Richmond a few weeks ago from Brad Kozlowski, but very strong showing gets a P 11. Um, Daniel Suarez, another solid race, I think for him and that track house team got a P 12, Justin Haley um, showing on the smaller tracks that that 31 team has been pretty solid. They were good at the LA Coliseum. They've been good on a lot of the short tracks this season gets another good finish there in 14th. So we'll kind of just stop there before we carry on into any more drivers, Ty Dillon, Kozlowski, Justin Haley, anything you kind of want to note on any of the three of them? Yeah. Yeah. Real quick. Um, yeah. Ty Dillon. I think that was much needed because Petty GMS has had a pretty good, um, pretty good start to the year with the 43 car. Eric, obviously being assimilated in that team a little bit more than Ty, that helped out a lot. And it also, um, uh, the 43's crew chief, um, I forgot. I forgot the gentleman's name. He was a junior motorsports crew chief. Uh, Dave Allen. Dave Allen. Yeah. Uh, Dave Allen. Yeah, yeah. Dave Allen. Um, he uh, he's a good crew chief. I think he's been learning the cup stuff really quickly. And and Eric Jones has been really really good. As we know, when you give Eric Jones a fast car, I think he'll be pretty good. And um, yeah, when you uh, when you look at Ty Martinsville went horrible for him, like just terrible um ty was what he was a lap down by in stage one like chase elliott was already lapping him he had no pace at martinsville he's struggled at numerous other tracks so um he's really surprised me truly um throughout the throughout yesterday i didn't know that he was a a dirt guy when he was a little bit younger he said on the broadcast in one of the red flags when they when they were um uh interviewing him he said that he hasn't been in a dirt race in about five years but he did a lot of dirt late model stuff so that definitely helped him out there um, and then the other one was Brad Kozlowski. Brad's got what three top 15 finishes in a row now. Um, I think, or maybe one of them was a 16th place finish. I'm not hundred percent sure, but he's been cooking off some solid finishes to get back up in the top 30. And guess what? Talladega is right around the corner this weekend. So maybe Brad can use uh, some of his uh, plate magic and, and go there super speedway magic and make something happen. Yeah. Um, Brad K you know, is should be good there. Brad Kay has finished top 15 in four of the last five races with a 17th at Martinsville. So top 20 in his last five races, uh, you can say, are no worse than 17th. So good stretch for, for him and RFK. Very much needed still. I mean, tanked in the standings. Yep. But like you said, I think the place where he gets his win is going to be at a track like Tal- Daytona or Talladega. And, you know, what, bet, what, what place for Brad Kay where he's gotten – Lots of wins before. I mean, he has dominated at Talladega at times. He was, you know, going into Talladega a lot of the years, he or anybody at Team Penske were, was the guy to beat. So what better place to do it than this weekend at Talladega for sure? Yeah, a lot of things have to go right for him. But what makes me super confident is that RFK cars showed up at Daytona with two really fast pieces and um, they led a lot of laps. Brad didn't race very clean, cleanly, um, clean, uh, he didn't race very fairly uh, with other drivers, spun out a couple drivers. I think he spun out William Byron in the 500. So if he can clean up some things, get a little bit of a better image, work with drivers a little bit better, because obviously drivers will remember that. If he can uh, make some agreements with his four teammates, I don't see any reason why uh, not. We can't see that six car in victory lane. And um, 
Yeah. And Justin Haley, too. It's not been a great start to the year for either colleague racing car, that round table car with where they have a couple of Xfinity drivers and Noah Gregson in there. Um, and uh, Justin had a great run, too. I mean, he had a great run at um, at the Clash. Um, and now we see him back here again. So uh, any kind of um, niche track like a dirt race or a super speedway race, especially Talladega coming up this weekend, I think Justin's going to run great there. And um, Justin keeps on saying that he wants to run up front without people questioning that, hey, how how is he running up front? Why is he running up front without the surprise of why he's running up front? And good runs like that continue to do that. But first, he's got to get through this full first season of Cup with this colleague racing team. And um, I think then, you know, his sophomore season, we can start having conversations about that. But they still have some things to work out. Exactly. One one team that I think has kind of started to work things out is the 41 of Cole Custer. We talked about them um, a few weeks ago on the pod saying that team needed to wake the hell up. They like yep. they were sleeping big times at the beginning of the season, just not having anything go right. And the last few weeks have been pretty solid for, for Cole Custer and that 41 team. They've moved. I think they've jumped up at least five spots in the standing since we were talking about them last. And Cole Custer, you know, looking at his finishes has been rifling off some decently better consistent finishes, not exactly what they want, um, but getting some points here and there, running up there consistently. But one guy that I didn't even notice is having this bad of a season is Ricky Stenhouse in the 47, 20, 29th in the point standings, basically almost last. Um, and he is over 100, or I think he is 100, yeah, 100 points out in the playoffs right now. And for Ricky Stenhouse, I mean – they have had speed this year, which is why I was so surprised when I saw that. But the results have not been there. They have had terrible results and terrible luck this year. They have not finished many races at all um, this season. They've had races that they were running up front and they just exploded. I mean, Atlanta, I thought was going to be a really good race for them. Had a tire issue. Gets wiped out there. Uh, wiped out at Circuit of the Americas. Wiped out last night at Bristol Dirt. I mean, geez, it has not been going well. I mean, they are tanked back in the standings, but I think it's still like, it's one of those, I mean, the season's so unpredictable. You can say anybody can get a win, but like they've had speed this year. That 47 team has had speed in practice, qualifying, beginning of races. Like they haven't been bad at all. It's just, they've had no luck in these races. Like I think they can turn it around, but man, they've dug themselves a huge hole where it's like, team's probably gonna have to win same with brad k i mean he's only two points behind ricky stenhouse and we're saying they have to win so i think already and you know win scenarios are definitely brad k and ricky stenhouse yeah so is brad k now back up in the top 30 i didn't check on he that. is just get yeah i got back in the top 30 with his good run last night so okay. if he does win okay. he is eligible Corey lajoy bumped out of the top 30 um not by much let's see um yeah only Corey lajoy is only one point behind brad k so Okay. You know, if Corey LaJoy, Stenhouse, or Brad Kay were to get a win, it'd almost be a battle for that top 30 spot because you have to be, you know, top 30 to be eligible uh, for the playoffs. But, yeah, tight battle there in the top 30. You know, Stenhouse is only two points above Keselowski, who's only one point above Corey LaJoy. So three guys. Yeah. And then there's seven points behind Harrison Burton, who is five points behind Todd Gillen. So it's kind of like a five-car buffer right there uh, for the top 30, which can change at any week with these tracks coming up, especially Talladega. So uh, yeah, it's interesting. Guys, kinda, huh? Yeah, those are all those three guys, LaJoy, Kozlowski, and Senhouse, they could all win this weekend considerably, considering their past history on the track, especially Stenhouse and Kozlowski. 
They could. But even LaJoy. I throw LaJoy in the hat on there. He finished fifth at Atlanta, super speedway influence track, you know, so I could see him getting another top 10. It's going to be like a little race there for like 30th for next, for going into the next weekend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's, it's, it's Talladega week, which I mean, is kind of just crept up on us because usually this is the week that's full of unpredictability. And it seems like we've had so many weeks full of unpredictability. It's kind of, we're all just like, well, it's Talladega. You know, we're coming off of, of Bristol dirt which kind of before that were a few normal races, which I think we needed uh, a few breathers at yes. Richmond and Martinsville and Richmond Classic. ended up actually being, you know, pretty good race at the end Martinsville. Eh. Um, but then we had, you know, Bristol dirt last night and now Talladega um, we had two for the cup series, the second or well, technically third super speedway race um, of the next gen car. If you put it Atlanta in there, second and a half super speedway race, yeah. uh, you can call it. Um, so we got the cup Xfinity and then Arca Xfinity and Arca both run on Saturday and the cup on Sunday. So we can start talking about the Xfinity series here for a little, they had an off week this week, no dirt for them, no racing, no nothing. Uh, the Xfinity series gets a week to breathe before they head back. And I believe four straight weeks of action um, for the Xfinity series. So they get an off week and get to head straight into Talladega. So that sounds really fun, but we got, I believe 41 cars are on the entry list for Xfinity, only 38 qualify into the show, but let's talk about kind of what has happened the past few weeks in the Xfinity series. Um, we'll recap before we get into Talladega, we've had Martinsville and Richmond in the Xfinity series, which I think were both pretty decent races with pretty crazy finishes. Um, and they were both centered around a guy named Ty Gibbs, who has been the talk of the season you know, in his first full-time season, the Xfinity series after last year, he went and got five wins as a part-timer um, in the series. So now he's already got three wins. This I think that was four wins last year, four, four wins. wins last year. He's got three wins this year. It's his third came at Richmond Raceway. Raceway. A lot of people were questioning how he did it. He moved a teammate up the track, John Hunter Nemechek. John Nemechek was not happy, said he got ran through. Ty Gibbs said, it's racing. I was going for a win. Fast forward a week later, Martinsville, Ty Gibbs dominates Martinsville. Um, Brandon Jones gets by him clean, you know, and, and turns one and two. Ty Gibbs may be looking to, to challenge back, <laughs> but he gets hit by Sam Mayer. Uh, he moves up the racetrack, and I a lot of people have kind of forgot they're fighting for dash for cash. You know, Brandon Jones wasn't, so Brandon Jones ends up getting the win. Sam Mayer trying to battle Ty Gibbs for dash for cash. Ty Gibbs hits the wall and neither of them win. AJ Allmendinger gets the dash for cash. Um, but it was after the race was the highlight um, of the weekend, really, when Sam Mayer um, and Ty Gibbs talked it out on pit road. Ty Gibbs was the aggressor wondering what the heck Sam Mayer was doing. And then all of a sudden punches were thrown um, on pit road and there were a lot of different opinions on it, uh, on what took place, what took place in the racetrack, what took place on pit road, but overall Ty Gibbs has kind of been, uh, kind of been in a lot of heated confrontations early in this season. Is he sort of, is he sort of becoming the villain already? Well, I, I did enjoy Jeff Gluck's uh, tweet that he said, uh, he sent out shortly after that happened with Ty Gibbs and Sam Mayer. It was, um, he said that, well, Ty Dillon is, I mean, Ty Gibbs is never going to get the NASCAR fans, uh, you know, on their good side anymore. So he might as well just turn and go full heel, you know, go full bad boy, kind of like Kyle Busch. Um, you know, I feel like, well, like for Ty, um, something maybe you didn't mention there well, was after when Ty won the race at Richmond, he said that I was going for a win. And if John, John owes me one, you know, if, you know, if we're in a situation like that, John, John kind of owes me one. He can move me back. 
if we're in another, uh, you know, uh, situation where we're racing for a position or racing for the win. And that's all, that's great and all, but you got to mean it. And, you know, that we've, now we've had like two weeks to sit on this and kind of think about it a little bit and think about everything that was said the previous weekend at Richmond. And now with Sam Mayer, I don't know if it was, it was a situation with Sam Mayer, because I know they've been racing for a little while. They have a little bit of a rivalry together in the junior ranks, pre NASCAR, um, Arca stuff. I don't know if it's just with Sam Mayer, but he really lost his head there. And he didn't remember the words that he said the week, the week before. And he should have, you know, obviously calmed down, got his head on, got his, got his head screwed on. Right. And thought about, you know, what kind of, you know, public uh, view the, the people would have on him. If he, if he didn't do this kind of fighting action, if he didn't do, do what he did, the fight, um, you know, he Ty is a great racer. And I feel like, there's a lot of um, good things that can come out of that kid. There's like so much potential, you know, possible cup wins and, and definitely, I mean, that possible, a possible championship. Definitely. I think some cup wins and the good and the right equipment with Joe Gibbs racing. I do think we see him in a cup car full time next season, or if not uh, for, for some races next year. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, it's tough to see young guys kind of tarnish the, um, their optics a little bit to the fans. But then again, Ty is never going to have full love and support with him because he did seem like a little bit of a silver spoon kid. People already say that, you know, he's never had to work for anything in his life. Sure. He's got a fast car. Maybe he's got the fastest car, but that doesn't mean he doesn't put in the homework every week. Um, and Ty has definitely become the, the face of the Xfinity series, not just from the racing, but a little bit of this, bad stuff that happened on pit road. I think you move on from it. Um, I don't think, you know, Sam is ever going to come back and do anything to him after that, you know, good one, two punch. And then he got a little bit more in there, that three, four yeah. uh, connection. But, you know, I think there's, um there's a lot to be said about the character of drivers in that situation. And he got in, he, he was in the heat of the moment and we want to see fights. Right. But it didn't help Ty's reputation there. Sometimes uh, Kyle Busch, that's a typical thing. He gets in another another fight, it gets on the highlight reel, goes on ESPN for the, you know, for the 17th time Kyle Busch has fought. With Ty, it went big and, you know, people don't react that well because Ty's in a very peculiar point in his career. He's in his junior ranks and he's got to win the image of NASCAR fans. And if he doesn't do it, then when he gets to cup, he'll be booed a lot. And that's when you get to the bigger crowds. And that's when you walk out and driver introductions and you hear all the boos. If that's something he's comfortable with, that's something he's comfortable with. But to win, I mean, to win the, win the view of the, of the fans back, he'll probably just have to win races and, you know, gain respect by that. I think Kyle Busch gained a lot of respect when he won his second championship. And if Ty can win an Xfinity championship, go to cup and continue to show to people that he works hard for what he has and, he fixes that attitude a little bit, I guess. And, and, and knows when he dishes it out, make sure, you know, you can understand when it's dished back to you. Um, but yeah, going forward, Ty just has to kind of cover his reputation a little bit, but that the fight was awesome. I'll, I'll say that from a fan's perspective, the fight was great because we all want fights. Um, but like I said, it, when it's an Xfinity fight and when we're in that situation, it's a little tougher to watch and, and it's not great for the driver's uh, driver's career there and the optic guys. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the side where, you know, if we're going to have a fight, there were a lot of people that were saying, if you're going to have a fight, you know, take your helmet off. Let's have everybody take their helmet off and let's throw hands. A lot of people were upset at the fact that Ty Gibbs 
left his helmet on and then just kind of started throwing punches at Sam Mayer and all the crew yeah, I was, guys. I was a broken record with the with the helmet. The people I watched the race with, I was a bro. I was a broken record with the helmet, and I will never defend any driver wearing their helmet. That's why I didn't really want to mention it because it didn't really matter to me anymore. That's what he did, and that's that. That's that's my opinion on it. Obviously, you want to take it off, but yeah. Anyways, continue. I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. No, I think that. You know, a lot of people, a lot of, that was a lot of people's first opinion was like, man, you got to take your helmet off. We're going to, we're going to have a fight. You know, if you're going to be, if you're going to be the guy to start throwing punches, you know, take your helmet off. But then there was the other side um, of people on Twitter, which I thought this was, I was just kind of laughing at these, the people that were like, man, Ty Gibbs should be parked. He should be suspended for a race and teach him a lesson. Let's park him for two weeks. And I'm like, why? Like, I, I thought that was a bit of an overreaction. Like, like, we have fights all the time in NASCAR. Like, literally, if we're dating back to the Xfinity series, you can go back two years ago when Noah Gregson and Harrison Burton just started punching each other. Um, or Noah Gregson started punching Harrison Burton, and then Gregson started punching Hemrick on pit road, and nobody, nobody cared. Like, even fights that we've had before, Kyle Bush and Joey Logano, when they or I mean, they gave each other bloody noses on pit road at Vegas, nobody cared. But I just I thought it was so weird that all of a sudden there there were people on Twitter saying that Ty Gibbs should be like suspended for a race for fighting on pit road. I'm like, dude, do you know how many times like fights happen in sports, like not just NASCAR, like NBA, uh, the NFL, MLB, people charge the mound and start throwing haymakers, start throwing helmets like as weapons. Uh, they get, you know, there there's fines that happen in sports, sometimes game suspensions. Um, but you know, this is NASCAR. There's fights that happen all the time. And I just thought, I just thought I got a lot of humor, um, of that for people asking for him to be suspended. I thought that was really funny, but yeah, I'm on, I'm on the side, you know, uh, same side as you as a fan. I mean, I thought it was great, great for the sport. I mean, the video went viral. Hey, we got the clicks, we got the attention. Um, Bleacher Report. Exactly. We got on Bleacher Report. They were all talking about it. So, you know, just a week after the Grammys or yeah, just or the Oscars. Yeah, I was waiting for you to to mention that. (laughs) Just a week after the Oscars, we got that going on. And those were some of the jokes. You know, there were some people that were just joking, saying suspend him 10 years, you know, like they did Will Smith. Um, Yeah, I think they had their own agenda trying to push like their own agenda on to what. Yeah, those were just jokes. I'm talking about the people that are actually being serious about Exactly. Him and this him. is a sport. This is not a situation where people are dressing up yeah. high, high class people are dressing up. And they did find Ty Gibbs. They find him, but sport. for contact with another car on pit road. Right. So nothing that had to do with the fight. It was just because he mm-hmm. ran into Sam Mayer's car on pit road, which I thought that was weird too. Cause I felt like that's happened before on pit road. And have we seen fines? Like, I, I feel like there was- hasn't been fines every time. I think it was because they took a little while to get around the track. Like more guys were already down and there was a lot of teams on pit road. So when like a Brad Kozlowski, Tony Stewart thing at Charlotte, right. He ran to the back of him in 2014. Was it Yeah. when he had the whole Kansas problem? That was like at the end of pit road where nobody was. Yeah. I don't think they were officially on pit road at that time too. And with Fox, there there wasn't that many cameras on it either. Um, yep. so I, I didn't really see what, you know, kind of led up to that on pit road, but I'm sure. Yeah. Once they got into pit road with people and then contact, that's, I guess, you know, when it gets figured, that's, that's a good point. So yeah, they did find him 15,000, I believe. Yep. 15,000. 15, so Which pocket, I money. think it was pretty solid. Obviously money is dependent on each series. 
obviously it's probably just a slap yeah. on the wrist. Smaller board. fine for, for a smaller series in Xfinity. Um, so obviously the, the purses are less and yep. everything like that. <laughs> Significantly less in Xfinity and trucks and than they are in trucks <laughs> or, or cup. So, but, but yeah, overall Ty Gibbs did get, did get a fine, but that's kind of the recap of the fight there between him and Sam Mayer. Obviously don't think any of that will continue into Talladega and maybe having the off week will help that a lot too. But like you said, yep. I think at the beginning, Sam Mayer and Ty Gibbs are guys that have been battling for years. I mean, this was a rivalry that was in Arca. They had had some, some beef there before, and it hasn't, it hasn't gotten better here in Xfinity. So two young guys that I think are going to be climbing through the ring. <laughs> they have been climbing through the ranks together. Yep. Um, and we'll continue to do that. One more thing to note on them. It's like, they're the only two of their kind, you know, like we're sitting here, I'm, I'm sitting here as, as a young, a young college student. And these are the first two drivers that are younger than me coming through yep. the, through the ladder. And they're 18 and 19 years old and they're moving so fast. The other 18, 19 year olds, Chandler Smith there, he's still in the truck series. Other guys are still in the Arca series. So, for these 18 year old, 18 and 19 year olds, these are the top two. They're kind of like the same driver just for two different manufacturers. Yeah. And that's going to, that's going to spark a big rivalry. And that's great for us because if they get, you know, they're both expectedly going to make it the cup, they're going to be in competitive equipment. They have financial backing. They're good drivers. We're going to see a rivalry stretch out for a while. I think this could be, this could be a big thing. Really. I mean, if you really look at it, it could be. And it's one of the many things that, you know, we're talking about the Xfinity series and we have, and we will be uh, all season long, but like we noted at the top of this conversation, it's Talladega this week. And what, what more intense place to go to after a fight like that than to go to Talladega. So like I've mentioned there, we got 41 on the entry list. And, and the first one that we'll note here um, is Jeffrey Earnhardt driving the three car, really cool deal. He is signed to deal with Richard Childress racing to drive the famous three at Talladega, crew chiefed by Larry McReynolds, which was officially announced yesterday on Fox. That was big. I think that's, I mean, that's awesome. I think this is going to be really cool to see the, the three car back out there in Xfinity at Talladega, crew chief by Larry McReynolds. I mean, this whole deal was set up uh, recently. Really cool to see Jeffrey Earnhardt back out there. And just kind of uh, from, a, from a driver's standpoint, Jeffrey Earnhardt has had a solid year in the opportunities that he has gotten. He's driven the 26 for Sam Hunt Racing, where he had a great strong race at Auto Club. Lots of issues and still came home with the top 15 that race, too. And then he just recently drove the 35 for Emerlin Gase Motorsports, I think had a pretty solid run there. So now he's with his third different team of the year in the three uh, for Richard Childress Racing. I mean, Larry McReynolds. I mean, we'll just note on that real quick. What was your reaction to that? Yeah, it was pretty cool. I was, um, you know, my house was a little bit crazy at that time still, but when he came and announced that, that was pretty cool. He dropped that little joke. He was like 17 years ago, I stopped from a uh, competition, you know, in racing, but I didn't never use the R word. I never retired. I yeah. just, uh, I just had a little sabbatical kind of thing. So that was cool. Uh, very cool to see that, um, you know, get back up on the, on the uh, old pit box for the three cards, uh, pretty neat. And with an Earnhardt nonetheless. And um, I think what uh, Dale drove the three car in the, in, X, in the Xfinity series when it was nationwide and he won yeah. at Daytona, right. With that Wrangler car. So mm -hmm. maybe some, um, some uh, luck will come Jeffrey's way and maybe we'll get his first Xfinity win. Yep. I'm sure it'll be going for the win. And there's a lot of, a lot of heavy hitters in this field. Uh, Natalie Decker will be driving the, the, uh, the 13 this week for, Carl Long, Drew Dollar is back um, from, from from Daytona from his doubleheader 
Yeah, double double wall smasher he had at Daytona weekend looking oh for looking for yeah, I mean he hit the wall in the same place both races on the same day in the same car, in the same painted car and two 18s, two races and hit the wall at the same place in both races. One at the very end and one at the very beginning where he wiped out Jeremy Clemens. Jeremy Clemens was not too happy about that, but Drew Dollar is back and he's looking to not wreck in the first 10 laps at Talladega, maybe the first 20 instead. Um, But anyways, that's enough about Drew Dollar. Uh, Next, we have another Toyota driver. Chandler Smith is making his debut. You're making your debut this week, Matt. You are... uh, (laughs) <laughs> driving the 26 for Sam Hunt racing. And for those who don't know, that's an inside joke. Um, back what that was like three years ago at Homestead. You had the KB like, jacket, and we was that then? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, you were Chandler yeah. Smith. So yes, yes. You're making he it, all jokes aside, he's making his debut this week, Chandler mm-hmm. Smith. So I think it's really cool because he'll get to drive this up. week at Talladega. Interesting choice for your Xfinity debut, but next week I think it's gonna be uh where it's really cool at Dover. Um, he'll yep. get to race there. And I think he'll definitely have a great shot to have a great race there at Dover. Um, CJ McLaughlin is back in the 28 car. So CJ McLaughlin and Drew Dollar are both back in the field, whether that is good or bad. Time will tell. Um, let's see. Kyle Sieg back in the saddle this week. Kyle Sieg is in the 39, probably to get to make sure or. I have no idea. I don't know. They switched him up. Kyle Sieg's in the 39, Ryan Sieg's in the 38. I would say because of like owner's points and stuff, and Ryan Sieg has a better chance to qualify, but it's Talladega, so it doesn't really matter. Ryan Ellis is back in the 44. Caesar Baccarella is in the 45. He's back um, from Daytona, where his race ended very shortly after a mechanical failure. Didn't even make it 10 laps. That was very sad. Um, and that's it for the notables in this lineup. Josh Williams is in the 78. Uh, they've, res- they've gotten the owner's points from the 99 who is not in this race, Stefan Parsons, which I think, um, sucks in my opinion. Um, Stephen Parsons just had a great showing in Martinsville. I mean, the, the, the guy was running up in the top 10 for a good chunk of the race. They had pulled some strategy, but BJ McLeod motorsports has just really had a very rough start to the season. Cause if you look at the finishing result of Martinsville, he ran up front a lot of the time, but they finished 28th with a wrecked race car. So yeah. they've wrecked a lot of race cars this season. Their points have not been that good at all. I mean, you look at down here at the point standings, that 99 was 35th, the 78th, 39th DNQ'd from a handful of races already this season. So it's just, it's not been very pretty for, for the BJ McLeod motorsports crew, but um, they're making some changes and hopefully we'll see Stefan Parsons back um, in the 99, <laughs> very, very soon, but overall 41 cars for 30, um, 38 spots, not as many as we saw at Daytona, but still probably going to be some decent cars, uh, going home. We do have the 50, the 52 is not entered into this race. He was one of the cars that went home, uh, at Talladega. One thing I think you missed was the 48 Casagrala. Did you mention that? That is right. Yes. Totally yeah. forgot about that. I had mentioned that earlier. Obviously, there have been reports about that and everything like that. But yes, Casagrala is in for Jade Buford for these two races, which, like, I didn't know how to feel about this move because, like, I love Jade Buford and I also love Casagrala. Yeah. So, like, great opportunity yeah. for Cas. But then I'm like, damn, Jade. Um, but, you know, he had, um, he had said that he's okay with this move. He's in full support of it. You know, he'll step back kind of as driver coach for at least the time being. Um, you know, Scott Borsetta and that team making a move for their competitiveness. Um, you know, and, and I get the move. I understand it. They have a new deal this year with RCR. They got a lot faster cars. I mean, heck, that team was flying at Daytona. 
Um, and they've just had a few incidents this year. Some haven't been their fault. Some have been just Jade trying to gain experience and spinning the car out. Um, so I can see where they came from with this move. Obviously Jade, we know Jade Buford is a very talented driver. And once he catches on, he'll start to become a lot faster progressively. We saw it last season, Uh, got some new cars to get used to this year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Last year he made great progression. I think he just got a really rough start to this year. And, And this is a good opportunity for the 48 car also to know what they got, you know, how much, how much can they, uh, how high can they go? And Kaz is an RCR affiliated driver. So it's exactly Kaz is a guy. He's going to step in there. He's going to take care of the car. And, and, you know, I, I would trust him to do very well. And I'm sure the team does as well. And that's why they chose Kaz to hop in the seat. And this Kaz has been everywhere this year. We know, um, I've been happy to see it. He's been getting his seat time for sure. He's been with alpha prime. Uh, he's gotten his races in cup with the money team racing. He's gotten his truck races with young's motorsports. Um, and now here he is with another team, big machine racing, which I think is another great opportunity. I mean, they got, they were really fast at Daytona. I mean, that car, I think qualified in the top three, if not on the front row for Daytona, if I am not mistaken. Yeah. They qualified third, that 48 car of Jay Buford. I mean, that they, they were fast and they were up front for the majority of the race. Making some highlight reels. So yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see. So that's the Xfinity race. That is Saturday on Fox four o'clock. So very fitting to have Larry Mack and the crew chief um, in, in on the box for Jeffrey Earnhardt and three car that race. That'll be on primetime Fox. Arca race will be before that, uh, I believe at Talladega with an Arca West race following that night. But the main event of the weekend at three o'clock PM Eastern on Fox, the Geico 500, the NASCAR cup series race at Talladega. The first race at Talladega with the next gen car, the entry list looks relatively the same kind of, you know, kind of basically the super speedway entry list that we're going to see all year long in the series. David Reagan's in the 15 car, Greg Biffle and NY racing are back. And J.J. Yaley is back in the 55, and this time you will get to race because there's only 39 cars entered into the show. And then Noah Gregson's in the 62, sponsored by Wendy's. If you saw that car, I'm sure you saw that car on Twitter. It looks pretty nice, doesn't it? I did. It's a big deal for uh, for Noah there to get a Wendy's sponsorship. I think that's great. Yeah, good stuff. And then Landon Castles in the 77. So this is a week where I'm, you know, we we got we've got eight races. How many races we got down in the season? eight this nine is, that was, was that our ninth, ninth race of the year so that was our ninth race of the year and it was our eighth different winner of the season the only guy to repeat this year has been william byron he won at both martinsville and atlanta so do we do you think we see uh, a new winner this year or this weekend or are you thinking it's going to be one of the guys that's already reached victory lane well, for an early pick i mean i'm not going to say any specific driver but yeah i'd say we we see a new winner because i like blaney's chances i like a lot of those ford guys logano uh, Blaney Kislowski for sure. Yeah. I like those. Those are the guys that you look for usually almost every time we had to Talladega, the names Kislowski, Logano, Blaney pop up, but man, the list of guys in the point standings from 20th and down, um, you know, the potential here, Eric Jones, I think Eric Jones, and I don't even think that would have been a fluke. It would be a fluke win. I would love to see an Eric Jones victory. They've had such a great season in the 43 Dave Ellens is totally just, I mean, they, they had, a lot of great showings last year, um, even with Jerry with Jerry Baxter up top of the box. And now yeah. Dave Ellens in the next gen car and just Eric Jones, the driver he is, they have just turned things around. And now they're 20th in the standings, only 26 back of the playoffs. We'll love to see them get a win this weekend. Someone like Ty Dillon has had a lot of success at Talladega and Daytona, who has 
jumped up in the standings up to 22nd after his great run at Bristol Dirt, and he's had some consistent runs this year. Bubba Wallace is our points last night too. Yeah, yeah. Bubba Wallace was our latest winner at Talladega. Could he go back to back? Get himself a win. Justin Haley, we know how he good how good he is on super speedways. And someone like we were just talking about down in the standings who almost <laughs> at this point of the season, this early, it's almost like it's must win for Ricky Stenhouse or Brad Keselowski or even Corey LaJoy down in 31st in the standings. So, man, like I, I definitely could see any of those guys getting in victory lane this weekend. I mean, it just it just depends. I think any of them can run up front or even if it's a wreck fest. I mean, who's going to be there at the end? That's very true. Yeah. I mean, if, if it's a wreck fest, then you can pull in guys that are not uh, super speedway favorites. You know, you can throw like Truex Bell um, or even uh, my, uh, well, you know, you maybe you forgot to put Michael McDowell down as well. Um, you know, maybe Cole Custer. If it becomes a wreck fest and, you know, there's more opportunity for more drivers to come and get a win, then that only increases the chances for the non winners this year to get a win. Um, one one thing to note also, Harrison Byrne will be making a second start at Talladega because last year he made one in that 96 car for Gaunt. Um, I think, uh, not saying that you need a ton of experience at Talladega, but this will be the second time he returns there. So I know that the drafting works a little bit different, but Harrison was pretty good at uh, Daytona. If you remember, he was up front, unfortunately, when he got wrecked by Kozlowski there. That was the other driver that Kozlowski unfortunately got into, but yeah, Harrison, I think he's uh, he's got a great shot to kind of roll this uh, season back around and get it back on his side and go forward. And he's had a really tough start to the year. As you noted, he's like, what, 28th, 29th in the point standings, yeah. right around with Stenhouse and Gizlowski. So really start a rough start to the year. I think this weekend could be the weekend where he turns it around in a Penske-affiliated car and Wood Brothers can get back up at the front. Exactly. Yeah, we hope. It seemed like Daytona was going well until he ended up on his roof, and then the season just has not uh, turned around ever since then. So Talladega this weekend, going to be exciting. Bristol Dirt just got done this weekend, but let's end on one more thing here. A A positive note, depending on, I guess, how you look at it. There was an announcement Saturday afternoon, yeah, late afternoon, that North Wilkesboro is going to be coming back uh, officially. Um, the basically the outlook for that is going to be in August grassroots racing is going to return on the current surface that they have right now. They're going to tear it up between then and, and October. And in the month of October, they're going to be doing dirt racing there on the dirt that they have under the pavement. And all of that will eventually lead to a repave in 2023. And we'll see what they do after that. But I think you know, if we're going to ever get North Wilkesboro back for a truck race or an Xfinity race, or even the long shot and ask our cup series race, this is how you start it. You know, you can't just start it. I think right out of the blue, I think that was going to be so hard. And when I saw this idea come up, when I saw this plan, I think this is perfect. Let's get grassroots racing there. Let's see the environment. Are we, are they, you know, what are ticket sales going to be like? Are people going to be packing the house for the month of August for this um, you know, the late models and all the different cars that are going to come to the track for the month of August. And then the dirt racing in October, they are going to repave it and put actual pavement on the track in 2023, or at least that's the plan. But I mean, when you first saw this blueprint, my, my thoughts were, I like it. And I think, you know, if, if there's any chance of getting North Wilkesboro back, I think this is how you do it. Yeah, I agree. I think the business plan from like a business perspective, that's super smart. You know, run these short, um, you know, the grassroots racing, run the short track concrete, make some revenue on that. I mean, (laughs) it's going to sell really well. I would imagine a lot of people are going to show up. 
It's going to be packed house. I'm not sure if they're going to be broadcasting these races on some streaming platform, if there's going to be some high level, you know, uh, series going there. I'm not, I didn't really read too much into it. I read the basic notes of it, but when then, then shifting their focus to a a couple of dirt races, that will even bring more revenue in. And like you were saying, yeah, I couldn't see them just ripping off the bandaid and, you know, the plans that Marcus Smith had from SMI to make, um, North Wilkesboro, uh, you know, revitalized again, the original plans was literally just building a brand new racetrack. I mean, like that was pretty much what it was. Now they're going to keep the bones of the racetrack. They're going to look at, you know, obviously change the, the, the racing surface and they're going to make this happen in the next, within the next year. I think he mentioned when he was at Bristol, he, he had the, um, he had the uh, press conference in the media center with two other gentlemen who have obviously been big helping hands in this whole uh, process He's going to, um, he said that he'll have, maybe he'll have ready, he'll have a truck race ready by 2024, the earliest. So some, uh, some good um, hopeful aspect for the cup for, for, for NASCAR and for fans of that track. Dale Jr. has been a key part apparently into it. He's been very vocal on social media about it. And I think he's going to talk about it a lot this weekend because he's going to be in the Talladega booth. So very cool. A great opportunity to bring you know short track routes back into uh, back into NASCAR. It's maybe a little bit early to say that right now, but I think that's where they're heading. And Marcus isn't doing this just for short track racing. I think he's also doing this for the Truck Series, and we're I think we'll see the Truck Series there by 2024. That's a good prediction I'll make. Yeah, good prediction. I think we'll see them there hopefully soon in the next two to three years. Um, yep. you know, obviously it's going to be very hard to host like all three series there in a weekend. Like for you sure. said, the infrastructure just isn't there. My yep. only idea to see that work for the cup series is if you do some type of all-star race there, right. Tie it into the hall of fame, something like that. Yep. Um, but yep. yeah, like my, like Marcus says, Mark, That's like Marcus Smith that. said, realistically, the infrastructure for a truck series race, I think to pack the house there for the truck series to make that seem important. Like that's, that's kind of how it felt like when the truck series went to Eldor, they packed the house at Eldor and it seemed like that was the premier series, but it was really just the truck series compared to throwing the truck series uh, as the third race of a, of a full weekend at a track where they can barely even fill up 25% of the stands. I think that'd be perfect to to see a truck race at North Wilkesboro for a weekend, Um, no matter how they do it, when, what weekend they kind of put it on, maybe if they're already in North Carolina and they just put the truck series over there at North Wilkesboro, or they just send them there whenever, when the cup series is off somewhere else, who knows, however they do it. I think it'll be cool. Um, however they decide to do it, but hopefully it, it all starts with August and October going well at North Wilkesboro. Um, it all starts by people going to the races in August, people going to the races in October, tuning in if they're streamed, maybe on flow racing or something like that. Um, tuning in and showing it love. Like everybody has the past 10 years begging for it to come back. So, yep. you know, uh, this is, this is going to be really the only shot. I feel like it has left to come back. You know, it's not back. It is back, but you know, we, the, the, the goal has been to get a NASCAR race back there. So glad yeah, to see back on a national stage. Just yeah, yet, but exactly. This is the first step. And you know, that Marcus is very interested in, it. he's passionate about it. He's not doing this. I think just from a revenue standpoint, of course, there is possible money in this, obviously that's why he's doing it. Um, but the main reason I think is because he has a lot of passion for it yeah. and he wants to bring that track back. Exactly. And he's seen the love and support from the fans and put money into this, you know, from, from the state, the state has put money into this track. They've put money into the track. 
Um, yep. You know, a selection of tracks in North Carolina, but North Wilkesboro has been one of them. Um, so hopefully they're able to, to get back in the swing of things and talking about first steps. We can note on this real quick too. Fox sports broadcast this week. They brought back the race day stage. We noted that at the beginning of the broadcast, yes. we could talk about it for a little bit. I mean, a lot of people, it's just a good feeling to see it. I feel like, and that's been something that I've just been vocal about for years. I mean, I, you know, I appreciate everything that Fox does and all the great people. There's so many great people on the crew, but man, you can only get so much into a broadcast that is literally in a green screen room. Like, I'm sorry. Like they, it's, it's great what they do, all the graphics and everything like that. But to be there pre-race to have the fans behind you, to get the, the feel, I felt like it was an event. It, it was a big event. And that's kind of what that race day stage gives off, you know, with, with the, everybody, all the chairs are set up. They're all there. The crowd's behind them. Um, just like it was in the past. So just like you were and all the fans, cause you had texted me and I hadn't turned it on yet. I was watching my bulls about to get their ass kicked in basketball. Um, yeah. But I had just finally flipped to the pre-race show and you were like, stage is back or something like that. You said something like that. And I was like, really? And I turned it on. I was like, wow. It is. Yep. And it was just such a crazy sight. It was like, I was watching what I was 10 years ago. It was like, it's 2010 again. DW is back. Yeah, the, there we go. Stage is back. You know, is this something that's going to stick? Honestly, like, I doubt it. I'm like, I don't think, so. I don't think they are. Um, no. Hopefully. Maybe this weekend with Talladega. Maybe with Talladega, with Dale Jr. being there. I yeah. mean, things are looking up for Fox. I mean, maybe the, the in-race production isn't there yet, but the pre-race has definitely uh, taken an uptick by, by that race day stage. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, it's very cool. I sent it with you. I sent it to you with capital letters because I was just really excited and I had my family over. So when I turned that on and I went crazy, my family was like, what, what, what? And my sister didn't understand my happiness because the stage was there. She didn't understand it. Yeah. But you know, the true NASCAR fans, true pre-race fans, even, you know, not everybody tunes into the pre-race. That doesn't, you know, that's not something for everyone, but, I enjoy because they they cover certain things. They do interviews with certain drivers, and um, it's a great piece. And the atmosphere at the track is just changes from, like you said, a green screen room. I think Larry does a great job translating that excitement that he has in studio. But when I saw Jamie McMurray live at the track, he was way more pumped up. He was, like, really excited for the race. Exactly. The fans got him going. Chris Myers was there. He was able to kind of kind of manage the, the pre-race show like they always did in the Hollywood Hotel. Or, it, you know, obviously it reminded everyone mainly of the Speed Channel stage. Um, and uh, that that's just a, it's a great atmosphere. You got the fans behind there. And maybe it continues at Talladega this weekend, considering Dega, it's not a crown jewel event, but it is a big event where a lot of people watch it because it is a super speedway race and it's the Geico 500. So a lot of people are pumped to see the race at Talladega. Exactly. We'll have to see. You know, was, was this a move that they did just specifically for the Bristol Dirt Race, or is this something they said, "Hey, people have been hating on our pre-race show, rightfully so. Let's yep. do something. Let's get these boys to the track and let's have some some conversations." It's something that that NBC has done kind of their whole tenure. They've had the pre-race show at the track and the post-race, and they interview drivers. The only thing they didn't have with the stage was the crowd behind them, kind of like the college game day feel that um, NASCAR trackside and, and speed um had had for years was the crowd behind them i mean that's just that's just one of the best parts about having that stage there um at the racetrack you know the 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 people on the stage like boyer and jamie mack they're talking to the crowd and they're 
making chance and everything. It's just the atmosphere of the event. It helps so much. And just like, obviously the fact that we're talking about it, people on Twitter were talking about it. It makes an impact. It makes an impact on the broadcast and it makes you want to tune in to the broadcast to see. And honestly, something that I kind of just thought of is that something that could bring, Hey, a few more fans to the track, a few more ticket sales, maybe, Hey, if I go to the race, I could, I could, go and on this previous show i could be on tv i mean when i was a little kid and i kind of barely remember it but when i went to chicago around 2009 2010 years i was always pumped to go to to the the race day stage the speed stage on a friday practice afternoon a, a saturday um you know to, to be in the crowd and i was actually on tv they held me up and i was i was in the background of the, of the yeah. race day stage and that was something that I thought was really cool. You recorded it, you watch it back on TV to see yourself, you know, is that something that could draw more people to go into a race? Like, let's do it. You know, let's do it at uh, Dover in a few weeks. Let's see what happens. I mean, I was watching old race at Dover from like 10 years ago, um, a few weeks back. And I mean, the crowd looked great. They had the race day stage and everything. It was, it was hype for a race at Dover that everyone like wants off the schedule now. Um, so yeah. is that something that could help? <laughs> I mean, I just feel like there's, there's so many factors that go into it. I mean, it's, yeah. they, they literally just sent like four people to the track with a race day stage and we're over here like going crazy, but that's just, yeah. that's it's how much it means. Imp- it's a big impact. And I'll note one more thing. It's, it's big also because, you know, me and you have been to play our fair share of races, let's say, and yeah. we love to show up to the track a little bit earlier. You know, no one wants to show up to the track three minutes before the green flag. So it's great when you're watching the race at home, you can't be there. You can actually see the scenery. You can see the track behind the guys talking on the stage. You feel like we're getting that real pre-race instead of watching a show that kind of feels like race hub on any Tuesday night, you know, like we're watching these guys at the track. We're watching what's going on at the track. They show like um, aerial shots of the track. They may, uh, show more videos of like Ross Chastain walking through the garage or Kevin Harvick over here or whatever. They did that a lot. They did that a lot more during the pre-race this past weekend and also compacted, compacting it to one hour on Fox. I think that, that they do that every week, but if they can compact it to one hour, I think that's a perfect pre-race uh, amount. Like we don't need two hours or anything like that. Not saying that we were getting two hours, but one hour at the track, it's perfect. You get Larry at the track. You get Chris man, uh, uh, kind of handling that whole uh, pre-race show. And you get Clint's thoughts before the race. You got DW on uh, thoughts before the race. Fantastic job. All three of them did in the booth yesterday. I think it was a through and through a good, a good broadcast, but that stage was just the icing on the cake. <laughs> exactly. It was. It was the icing on the cake. So a solid broadcast from Fox yesterday, solid race last night, and we're going to have a wild weekend at Talladega uh, this week. So we can just kind of lead into it by making our official race picks, I guess, going with somebody kind of what we did last time. We'll go with the race pick and then maybe a dark horse to watch, you know, maybe to get their, their okay. first win at Talladega. So we'll start with the Xfinity series. Who you got? Oh, Xfinity. Yeah. Um, okay. Xfinity series. Let's take a look. All right, Xfinity Series. I'll go with um, – I'm going to go race win pick uh, Daniel Hemrick. Give me a little like bit of that 11 car action. Yeah. And then I'll go with a dark horse. I'll go with, um, you know, pro- probably a little more high-profile driver. But, you know, give me his teammate, Landon Castle. You know, had a good run last uh, in Martinsville. 
his yeah. last outing. And I think, you know, quality cars are good at, at super speedway races. I like it. I like it. So for my race pick, somebody that I've been picking in recent weeks a lot, um, probably going to go with a guy like Noah Gregson to okay. get the win at Talladega. And then my dark horse, we're going to go back. We go back here to somebody like, like a, like an hour motorsports car, a Brett Moffat. I'm going to say, it's uh, not bad guy to, to watch to get his first career win in our motorsports car. I think I met Jeb Burton is the defending winner of this race. So he could be definitely somebody to watch. Anthony Alfredo, always a factor. Brett Moffat could be up there. So that's my, my dark horse pick. So move on okay. to the cup series. What you thinking? Yeah. Um, oof, I typically go with Ryan Blaney at super speedways. I've last three years. I think I bet for him to win the 500, but um and i've been wrong every time so i'll kind of sh- i think we're gonna see Oof. i'll go with um you know what give me eric amarola Ooh. yeah i know crazy right <laughs> that, is. that is dicey like but um yeah then a a uh dark horse pick um justin haley Justin Haley. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Eric Amaroli, your pick, who's in the playoffs currently by 25 points, had a yeah. very solid season so far. So a good pick right there. So my my uh, my basic pick for this weekend, I'm going to go with Joey Logano or Reliable at Talladega uh, to get yeah. the win. And the dark horse, I think, to get a win and lock himself in the playoffs, or maybe not lock, you never know. Uh, I'll say Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Uh, goes. Okay. The, Ricky's not bad. Dark I like horse. That to get a win this weekend and possibly lock himself in. So a lot of, a lot of crazy scenarios. It could be him. It could be Corey LaJoy and man, there's, there's, there's a lot of people that could win this weekend. So the, my mind goes to Daniel Suarez a little bit too. I don't know why, but yeah. True. It could be a, a a track, a track house victory. We could see that. Yeah. Both of them could have that shot last night. If it would have rained a little harder. Daniel Suarez could be a, could be a winner this season. I think, I think he'll get it done. So um, overall it's going to be, it's going to be a fun weekend of racing at Talladega, no practice, uh, no practice, just qualifying. I believe Xfinity qualifying is on Friday um, the day before, which is odd. Yeah. They had the day before the race. So they'll just, they'll just show up there to run a lap and half of them or three of them will go home. So that's where they didn't do it the morning of the race, but Yep, they'll be doing qualifying just on Friday at 5.30. That'll be the only on-track activity that day at all with cup cup qualifying being at 11 a.m. on Saturday morning with the cup race being the next day on Sunday at 3 o'clock. So like I would mentioned, you got Xfinity, ARCA on Saturday, ARCA West at night, and then the cup race in the main event on Fox on Sunday. So going to be really fun. I mean, is there anything specific you're looking out for this weekend? No, not particularly. Just second, second true next gen race on the super speedway. Yep. Um, I think that will be really, uh, really fun. And also, now that we're talking about RFK, I'm, I'm really excited to see what Kozlowski can do this weekend. If we saw him at Daytona with a lot of aggression, now he's in this position in points. You know, uh, nine races through, he knows he has to win. I could actually see going back on my words earlier of him probably being, hopefully, being less aggressive. I think that's gone out the window. I think I'll be more aggressive this weekend. Possibly. Oh yeah. 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 I think the aggression is going to tick up a lot. You know, I don't think we saw enough wrecked cars at Daytona. We're going to see more this weekend. Think, <laughs> yeah. So at least for, for the driver's perspective, I mean, yeah. team owners will definitely disagree. 
They will disagree, but we'll, we'll just have to see what happens this weekend. So going to be a lot of fun. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. Thanks to the Believe Podcasting Network. Thanks to Bet Online and thanks to TobyChristie.com uh, for supporting this episode of the podcast. Thanks to everybody for listening. We'll see you all next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.